Why, hey there. With so many of our clients shifting to a hybrid work model, meaning that some of their employees are going to be working from home some days of the week and then go to to the office for the remaining. How can we share the best information with them so that they can have the best results? What I revealed in part one of this two-part series is that open concepts and shared workspaces, including hot desking, is the way of the future for many employers. So how can we ensure that they are going to get the best results. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Business of Ergonomics podcast. I'm your host, Darcy Jeremy. I'm a board certified professional ergonomist with over 15 years of experience delivering ergonomics programs to employers of all different types. In this podcast, I share what other healthcare professionals are already doing and being with ergonomics assessments and how to land those clients that you dream of. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode right now. Thank you for taking the time out of your day, for hanging out with me, chatting about ergonomics. We are few and far between. So this is part two of the two-part series about shared workspaces. If you have not yet listened to part one, just head to episode 85, where you're going to be learning all the in-depth information about interesting facts one, two, and three. And just for clarification, I talked about the benefits of hot desking first, and there are a lot of benefits. And I think this is really key to note with shared workspaces. It's all about the implementation with this. For years, I used to run participatory ergonomics events. And heck, I did my master's in participatory ergonomics because I was so interested in the results and how I could get these circumstances better. Participatory ergonomics is all about including those clients, those employees in the ergonomics process because the fact is that they know their jobs better than anyone else. They're the experts and including that can yield better results at the end. And it's also more sustainable. Maybe I'll do a whole episode on participatory ergonomics in the future. But what I found doing these things is that when we can improve the communication with the employees, with that ergonomics process team that's going to be making the changes and with management, get everybody on the same page, so to speak, the results of the ergonomics initiation, whatever that was, was going to be so much better. And the same is true with a really well thought out open concept setup, because if it's not going to be absolutely aced, then there's going to be many opportunities for reduced productivity. And working in an office environment when your productivity is your people, it could have a huge lasting result that is very expensive to fix. 
And that's why sharing this information with our employers right now on your email list and our social media when you're having those conversations with them can add some clarity to what they're doing so they don't make these mistakes and they can keep their employees engaged and productive because that's rolling into what we talked about in part two. Not everyone will benefit from these workspaces. And that rolls into what we talked about in the last part about considering lifting the ban on personal items, especially when someone has been used to having an individual desk for 10, 20, or 30 years, having them eliminate eliminate that personalization of their workspace can be detrimental to that organization. If you need more information, head to episode 85 and you can get all the details there. Let's move on to number four. Limit visual and auditory distractions whenever possible to make the future that much better with moving to open concept workstations. Why? Well, because noise can be incredibly distracting. Visual and auditory distractions are some of the most common grievances I hear about open concept systems. If the shared workspace has cement floors instead of carpet, and is in a large open space, then there's obviously very little that can be done to affect the noise level of the system. On this note, I have consulted to modern offices where the the loudest area, aka like the kitchen where people group together and make food and stuff or just hang out, when this is placed in the direct center of the working space, with almost no sound barriers, is a huge auditory and visual distraction that can affect the productivity. So if someone was having a boisterous conversation in the kitchen, trust me, the entire office workspace would hear about it. That's a really easy win that you can share with your clients at the planning stage of open concepts. There's some practical advice that you can incorporate to reduce visual and auditory distractions. And many of these solutions are relatively low cost and flexible to improve that client employee well-being. So visual distractions can be limited by using panels or bookshelves or green walls of plants, like a living wall system. And I'm sure that you've seen these in farmers markets something like that before. Auditory distractions can be limited by using noise-canceling headphones. And this is something that I think is really useful and I have seen a lot of open concept systems incorporate. Providing dedicated, quiet, and loud spaces. All right, so I've seen clients have phone booths to have those phone conversations with clients so they're not distracting. Other clients that I've worked with have had um, partnered workspaces, almost like a boardroom, but smaller, but in a room that people can sign out if they have some sort of collaboration in a project that they're working on. That stuff is incredibly useful and can make that space more usable. And what that's doing is providing the dedicated quiet and loud spaces 
Another thing that you can consider recommending to your clients is masking the sound by using white noise. Okay, by using white noise. Something that you may want to consider the implications of whether good or bad, but that is one option you can consider. And another thing that you can do is retrofit sound absorbing materials, such as partitions and carpets to that environment that will reduce that ambient noise that so many people can find distracting. And it's important to note that most of the time, these concerns are figured out after the expensive retrofit of the open concept system. The next thing I want to move into, so we're at number five, a variety of collaboration areas are key. Research has found that bookable and breakout like lounges are a must in any open concept workspace. They also serve as a benefit to improve both the visual and auditory distractions, as I talked about in number four, right? But let's talk more about the types of setups that are absolutely necessary. So the breakout rooms must be inviting, they have to be cozy, and they have to be comfortable. Why? Well, they are integral to the function of the organization, and they allow staff to freely associate and be creative there for starters. On top of that, the business processes can be enhanced as staff don't have to worry about disrupting their colleagues when they are on a conference call or are engaging in some sort of group work or other collaborations. Let's move on to number six. And this is something that I think is so wonderful, especially when I look at my past work history doing participatory ergonomics, because this is what we used to do when there was a challenging ergonomics assessment that we went through and we had to mock up the design before we made permanent. And this is exactly what we're going to do here for number six. You want to trial and recommend that the client ask for feedback before making it permanent. This is because a thoroughly and thoughtfully managed shared office system is extremely important for staff performance. And having that town hall or opportunity to share the plan and ask for insights and try it is going to be so much better for an engaged workforce into this new way of doing work. So this is where ergonomics comes into the picture of testing and evaluating a variety of setups. And I love that participatory approach with staff and because I have known through in and throughout for many years that you will get the best results at the same time as getting key employees to buy in and getting those key insights that you will never ever figure out on your own. Like I mentioned before, they are the experts of the job and including them is a really easy way for you to move forward. Engaging with staff will add time to the process 
And this time requirement should be taken into account by management when considering the shift from a traditional to the open cost concept setup. However, the benefits outweigh the costs in my opinion. The last thing I want to talk about today, yes, that's right, it's number seven, time flies when you're having fun, but I think this conversation is extremely valuable to have because just one point of information can absolutely change how that client implements this open concept idea is that there has to be dedicated time for supervisor or team meetings. And this is because one of the drawbacks with using an open concept design is the perception of disconnectedness with supervisors or management, even though everyone shares a common workspace. So we're working on what I mentioned in episode 85, part one, at reducing those liabilities that can come out of this type of work setup. So I hope you enjoyed this two-part series about return to work, open concept offices, things to know so you can allow your clients to succeed in this new type of office environment, especially if they don't have any experience with this. My closing thoughts is that oftentimes those interior designers that are coming in to set up these workspaces have almost the complete opposite view of how to optimize that work environment to fit the employees. One of the big things that I've noted in my past is having a really futuristic white finish for everything, having bright lights. Um, not having, not allowing people to have those personal belongings on their space because it's going to perhaps not have that same end result image that the inter- interior designer wants. Lots of things to take in, into account here. But as ergonomics professionals, we must ensure that ergonomics is thought of immediately in these setups or else there's going to be severe repercussions for the productivity, for the work environment, for those employees' health and well-being. The open concept is important and ensuring that wherever those people are working, they have the ability to make adjustments in the office environment to fit them. So I'm talking keyboard trays, stand units, whatever those people need. And if they're not put into place beginning, then there's going to be a lot of expensive retrofits that's going to impact that interior designer's visualization of how that final product is going to look, and it's going to be so much more expensive. Take it from me, folks. I've been there before. Well, thank you so much for listening to this series. I hope you got some valuable takeaways that you can give to your clients and the employers out there. Have a great one. And if you haven't yet, listen to what's coming up next because this is just some of what we talk about in the Accelerate program. And if you are an ergonomic consultant out there who's doing your own thing, there's literally no better program for you 
then accelerate the business of ergonomics. Listen to how you can get on the wait list the next time that I'm opening enrollment. Thank you, take care, and all the best. So if you like what you heard in this podcast episode and you want to learn more, you want to learn how other healthcare professionals are already adding office ergonomic expertise to their services and practice, I have a training for you. All you have to do is head to ergonomicshelp.com slash learn dash ergo. That's ergonomicshelp.com slash learn dash ergo, and you can get started today.